Hello, and welcome to Movies We Dig, the podcast about film, antiquity, and everything in between. I'm Christy Vogler. I'm Colin McCormick. And I'm Elijah Fleming. And today, we're talking about Domina, a 2021 British-Italian historical drama television series created by Simon Burke and starring Kasia Smutnik as Livia, the First Lady of Rome. Also joining us today is a very special guest, Dr. Christina Hotalin, who has some really cool hobbies, um, has a very amazing dissertation webpage about embodying the empire, and we're really excited to talk to her about the show today, which is awesome. So welcome. Yay, thank you for having me. So I think this is the first time all of us have watched this show, really. I think Lige... Is the earliest, but it it only came out in 2021. So this is fresh for for most of us. So starting with our lovely guest, do you dig Domina and um, why or why not? Yeah, I actually really dig. I I actually really dug it. I thought it was really entertaining. I appreciate how closely they kept with the his like with the actual history Mm -hmm. for the most part. And I like a lot of like the costuming and the sets. I thought they were really good. I kind of thought of it as like what could be a good like, not necessarily a continuation of HBO's Rome, but like, you know, a good place where like where HBO's Rome left off and like just straight up omitted. Mm -hmm. I also appreciate the fact that we finally have a show about Rome from the perspective of women and where women are playing such a huge like central they're driving the plot of the the show essentially. Mm -hmm. And I can actually appreciate that where they're not just, you know, sexy and, you know, being poisoning and right. (laughs) Showing childbirth as like how truly horrifying it actually is. Yeah. 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 Well, how about how about uh, you, Lige? You're you're the one who kind of turned us on to this show. Like, how did you come to it? And I I know you dig it, so I know you know I dig it. So <laughs> I I do really dig Domina. I think it does a really great job. And Christina, like you said, I really love to see this part of history from the woman's like a very much a woman focus. Not even just Livia, but like Scribonia, Julia, Octavia. Like, there's so many women focused perspectives. Um, I feel like I just I watched this in 2021 when it first came out in kind of a semi quarantine pandemic esque way um, where I saw it advertised on like, you know, some streaming thing that was on my TV. And I was like, yes, that's what I need. I that will make me feel better about the world. And I really enjoyed it. And I feel like I've put it on our list for, you know, like once we get there, once we start doing TV we should definitely talk about Domina because I feel like I have a lot to say and I feel like it has a lot to say. And especially after watching Rome, I, Claudius and Domina back to back, I'm, I, it has been really, really fun to just see the different takes that they have on the same characters, on the same historical like chunks of text that we have. And so I definitely dig Domina and I'm really glad that we get to talk about it. Yeah, it's um I was just going to add I I'm, I'm so glad with the order that we chose to watch all of these in because yes. <laughs> it at least going into Domina I I kind of remembered who everyone was from I Claudius so that yeah, right. a bit. 
<laughs> All right. How about you, Colin? You're you're the odd man out today. Yeah. Um, pun intended. But yeah. um, I, I hate to do this, but I'm I have to, I'm a little mid on this one where I dig this one, I think, the least out of all of us. I And it, largely because, well, for, for two reasons. Like we are watching, I'm watching this in the context of having just seen Rome and I, Claudius, and I'm thinking about all these shows and I can't help but always, I mean, this is just sort of how I am, uh, but I can't help but read these things sort of against each other. And there's certain things about this show that I, I liked it a lot more towards the end. I think the first three or so episodes for me were a bit rocky and then by the end i was more on board but there was a couple of things that i think it, it gets a little my main thesis i think i think my main if i were to change one thing about this show particularly in relationship having you know comparing it to i claudius and rome is that this show i wish did not take itself quite so seriously and had a little bit more humor to sure. it because i think yeah. one of the things that made yeah. rome and i claudius pop so well is they had jokes and senses of humor <laughs> and an approach. And this is, there is not a joke to be seen for- You mean all the shots of them on the Roman toilet you didn't find funny? I also, I'm glad you noticed that because I also have a note about that. There was this, there are more mid P conversations in this show than I, I have been able to recall. Um, <laughs> lots of just people squatting and, and peeing and then somebody comes yep. into the bathroom and it's like, we have to talk. And then they stand up and you know what I'm gonna say? The thing that drives me most in movies and television is when people go to the bathroom and do not wash their hands. Hey, they used a sponge on a stick. They They're fine. Like, somebody That's not at least on their watched. hands, um, Christy. Yeah, because we know Lydia's house has running water. They got hooked up to the aqueduct last year. <laughs> Liam Cunningham is in all of these. Like he, my take was he basically it's like watching a man walk in to collect a paycheck. That's kind of what he's doing <laughs> in this show. Where he strolls in one scene. He's like, I will read my lines. And then he go, he leaves, he walks off set and gets on the phone with whoever's redecorating his house. That's basically what's what's going down. Sure, sure. But what about you, Christy? I I do. I I dig this a lot. Um, I for me, a lot of it was I really like Antigone and looking again at because like you know my whole thing with medicine and the ancient world and women's role in it. Like she's a really cool character. All of the childbirth scenes is like oh, I haven't seen that many childbirth scenes since uh, the Game of Thrones prequel yeah which house of dragon house of dragons episode. which is yeah. like i appreciated but they also weren't accurate in a lot of the depictions of medieval yeah. style childbirth so i thought this was really interesting i want to put a pin in that i have another opinion on that so it's okay up. oh trust me we'll, we'll be coming and talking about the medicine right, cool. <laughs> um i i agree with what colin said too though is like had i not just watched rome and i claudius i would have felt kind of lost in those first few episodes because it was interesting I had some conversations on blue sky about this like it definitely seemed like you know you had large chunks of ch time where they're like oh we don't need to tell the story right here and I think a lot of that is because it's like I feel like the show is really reluctant to retrod where especially Rome had been yeah mm -hmm. and like the fact that it's like you know what we'll do Livy again Atia she's dead we're not we're Atia gets to be Rome. Yeah, At Atia is conspicuously absent in this yeah. show. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, it, it, you do kind of feel the whole like the ghost of Rome, in part because mm -hmm. they're filming at Chinichita, yeah. on what oh, I imagine yeah. are at least partially repurposed sets from Rome. Um, right. It looks, particularly the exterior shots, look very similar. Mm -hmm. I want to talk about the interiors, but uh, Christina mentioned them because I did really like the interior decorating in the show. But yeah, oh, that's not that we can we can come back to that later. <laughs> Sorry. 
Yeah. No, so I um, we should do our, our like too long didn't too long didn't watch. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> I have mine. Okay. Lej, you want to hit us with yours first? <laughs> yeah. Because your wife is the smartest man in Rome. And everyone knows it. <laughs> you can't and, divorce her. That's that's and the yep. prettiest. And the prettiest. <laughs> I loved that one. So okay. I think that sums it up. It's like, yeah, that's what Livy is doing. She yep. obviously has the space. Fantastic. Yep. Ten out of ten, no notes. <laughs> Um, I, I do have a note. My Mine is Olivia vows to save the Republic while also making her husband a god. She missed the yeah. seminar on making smart goals. <laughs> this is kind of getting to my biggest issue, I think, with the, the revisionism that's happening. But um, God, what would mine be? Sorry, hang on. I thought I had I thought I had something pithy, but I but I just lost it. I'm going to say, Christina, do you think you could sum up Domina in a too long didn't read? <laughs> Oh gosh. Um, I mean, certainly Livia is the mover and shaker in Rome. She's calling all the shots, which it kind of falls in line, I guess, with what the primary sources were like accusing her of doing. But it's also yeah. like, yep. you know, I don't know. Like, it, it's sort of like it, it makes Octavian or I guess Gaius, as they kept referring to him. Yeah, that, that was weird. Yeah, that, that kept annoying. Um, that annoyed me also. Yeah, like, it definitely made him seem, like, very, I don't want to say dumb, but, like, that he couldn't, like, I took a little bit of issue with that, like, you know. Well, and I, I think that, well, unless, Colin, do you have your... I was going to say, I can do the actual recap. I don't know if okay. I have a good pithy... Okay, yeah. Um, okay, do the actual trying recap. trying to make it about then... peeing, but I got nothing. <laughs> um, I'd be like, important conversations on the toilet. I don't know. You yeah. know what? That yeah. that does seem to happen. And turtles. The future... Oh, my... Terrapins. Oh, you mean terrapins? Yeah, the terrapins. <laughs> Nobody ever... Use- it's like Walking Dead. We can't call them zombies. We have to call them <laughs> terrapins. Um, but I can do a sort of general recap. Yeah, give us a general recap, and then I've got a question for Christina. Yeah, so the kind of arc of season one, and then we should add that part of the timeliness is this show just debuted season two. Not just. A couple months ago, season two came out. But the arc of season one is we follow the life of Livia from sort of her youth and marriage to Augustus, and then jumping ahead a little bit into after Augustus has become the sort of first citizen of Rome, uh, up into basically the murder of Marcellus, um, who was originally slated to be Augustus's sort of favored heir, but who died suddenly under maybe suspicious circumstances. And that is basically the kind of arc of the show, right? Where so Livia and her politicking sort of behind the scenes, beginning with her meet cute, we'll call it, um, with Gaius. Um, up, At her wedding into, to someone else. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, up into uh, the murder, the death of Marcellus and a the possible accusation. Yeah, and the aftermath therein. Yeah. Yeah, so that's a really good summary. And I was just, it's like, this is one of those shows where like even before you get into the show itself you have an amazing opening credit scene with like the music and everything and I yeah I wanted to ask you Christine did that speak to you in some way watching that open credit scene yeah like it definitely set the tone of the show for me at least like with the dramatic music like I'm replaying it right now in my mind at least and Mm -hmm. like it's definitely yeah, like it definitely sets the tone of the show as far as like, you know, that there are going to be no jokes, lots of mm-hmm. um, toilet conversations, of course, you know, the most important conversations take place on the can. But yeah, like, I thought the opening credits were cool. I It would have been nice to like, 
see a little bit more of like you know the grittiness of Rome like HBO's mm-hmm. Rome did like I really like how they incorporated a lot of things into it like the mosaics and like the graffiti um this one was very much setting the tone yeah I'd say it's the- very unsubtle because you have the yeah. statue of Augustus and then flash and then immediately behind it is the much 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 bigger statue of Livia kind of arms out puppeteering mm-hmm. as as intense strings sort of play over the back yeah yeah I for me it was interesting because it it is again this idea of you know it's the epitome of Rome as we tend to think about it in modern imagination of very whitewashed we don't get to see the gritty stuff and I think that's something about this show where again I Claudius was like this and Rome was very different and that Rome was trying really hard to show the different classes as they coexisted with each other and this one again is mostly just focused on the household of the Julia Claudians. Yep. So you don't yep. really get that that look. You don't get to see the dirty side of Rome yeah. in that and extent. I think that's like really what I miss from Rome. I feel like that that is a really big absence. We have the upper classes. We're in their, you know, their atria and like moving around and their, you know, fancy clothes and they all have their different hair done and all of these things and I feel like we don't have like the Varinus and Polo that we had in Rome we don't have one like the comic aspect to them like Colin has said but also we don't just have that perspective of the everyday person mm-hmm. and maybe they're trying to sort of hint at that they do have some slave characters that come in and out but they're not central they're not like a main character and I, I will mean- say it's probably a big absence I would say even just to push it farther, maybe this is the the, con- the conceit of the show is because the show is by design so centris- centrally focused on Livia. Like she is the main character. It's a it's it's her show, right? Yeah. Not a- yeah. Whereas Rome, especially, and then I Claudius even too, is more of an ensemble cast. So it's more sure. of like with Rome, it's all about kind of how all these different threads and plot lines kind of come together and intersect in all these different ways. We're following these different strands. But with Livia, it kind of everything comes back to Livia always. Like mm-hmm. the whole show is sort of centered on her, like, you know, figuratively, like the camera is centered on her. And then we look around and we only see everybody else only matters insofar as they come into or out of her life. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's like uh, in terms of internal settings that we mentioned, it's like it's always a wealthy person's place or a whorehouse. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> One or the other. Which is Where funny your son because, Tiberius like, is committing all sorts of crimes. Yeah. Well, everyone just hates Tiberius on the show. Like everyone's so <sighs> mean to him. I was like, yeah. wow, this is like too much almost. <laughs> like, you know, killing his little terrapin and then just his overall treatment as like the black sheep of the family. But to get back to the point about like the interior spaces and everything, like I, I made the joke, you know, when I was watching it, like, oh, man, this looks like gangster's paradise on the inside, you know, where they live. Whereas, you know, <laughs> yeah. as I recall, like, they lived fairly modestly. And, mm-hmm. you know, Livia was always described as, you know, making her own clothes, making Augustus's clothes, and always at the weave. And in the first few episodes of the season, you know, she's sitting at the weave and she's like, I hate this. And, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> and like, she. She can't be bothered with it. And you never see her do it again. Mm-hmm. That's, that's a little bit of a tangent. But yeah, it's just interesting. The way they took Livia, the, the direction of Livia in this show is interesting. Yeah. So, yeah, no, I do that. But one, like you kind of 
stirred my brain. But in terms of like speaking of like one of Augustus's and Livia's, at least as they are recounted in like Tacitus and Suetonius and stuff, is they're very modest. They kind of like, oh, we're just like everyone else. We're just private citizens. And one of the things I did like about the show is I think it's in episode four where it's when uh, Octavian is nominated to be Augustus, right? Because they're having this whole debate about you know, the Senate's going to ask me to give up my powers. And how do I do that? And Agrippa is like, come, let's take the powers. We'll like be dictator. And Livia is trying to figure out how, and then Livia is one, they basically come up with the idea. And what I really liked that the show got is how Augustus kind of pulled the trick that Julius Caesar and other people before him couldn't pull, which was Mm -hmm. the Senate has to ask for it. Um, Right. And like the way to become the the way to become dictator is not by taking power because then eventually someone will just stab you. The way to become dictator is to make everybody happy, and then when everybody happy is is happy, then they want you to keep being dictator because you make them rich or not having to go to war, or you absolve yeah. them of debts or whatever it is. Like yeah. that's how he did it, right? He made everybody want it. Well, in my sense, it's like not even necessarily making everyone happy, but like making everyone recognize how much work was needed to achieve that peace after years sure. of civil wars. I'm like, but if you want to take over, I mean, <laughs> go ahead. And they're like, wait a minute. I don't think we want to do that. <laughs> no, you keep doing what you're doing. It's good. And I think that's more realistic, right? Humans are always striving to be lazier or to push oh, the yeah. work onto someone else. 100%. It, I, yeah. That's Tacitus's whole kind of pitch is like the yeah. way it happened was everybody was just so tired of war. They were willing to accept whatever so long as it meant not war. Yeah. Right? Right. So, you know, yeah, right. we've, we've had 100 years on and off of civil war and like I will settle for dictatorship if that's what it yeah. means to end it. Well, okay. On this note, maybe we should just like talk about this characterization of Augustus in general because we do have a time jump like yeah. so the first is it three or two episodes i, I think them- it's three episode three is where we get the new cast okay so they're they do have a time jump and i feel like they actually do it decently well as far as like the first two episodes are these like twerpy teenage dipshits for lack of a better term i wrote that in my notes octavian's a real boy (laughs) he is and he looks like a little emo boy i just kept getting like gerard what's his name yeah that guy um and it kept irritated the hell out of me quite frankly because i'm like i can't unsee that you know i imagine little octavian and augustus from hbo's run with the pretty yep. blonde hair and yep. you know that steely look but this guy was like is that evan peters or like gerard way <laughs> yeah, like yeah. yeah that that was my very <laughs> different i think it's a very different characterization of augustus than we have gotten from certainly from rome where he's very robotic and you know maybe manipulate manipulative and mm, calculating in so many ways and he's very much more of like a jock just like throwing around power and but i also wouldn't call him as like as charismatic as our i claudius augustus and so he's in this weird middle space as both like the younger and the older mm-hmm. so yeah i i kind of like this augustus because he seems more human in mm-hmm. so many ways like he mm-hmm. feels like he was the guy who was in just like the right place at the right time and like his play happened to work and that feels like weirdly realistic. Yeah. And I I don't know. I kind of, I love Rome's Octavian 
And I, I don't know how I like can negotiate this characterization of Augustus. I would love to hear your guys' thoughts. I, I viewed it as like what I think they did really successfully is convince me of how much Octavian needed Agrippa, needed Livia. Like no, no person just shows up and be like, give it all to me. It's like, there is a support cast there. That's really important. And if, you know, I like that later episode show that if even one of them leaves him, he has lost his strength. Yeah. Um, and he's vulnerable mm-hmm. as a result of that. And I think that's what made it really realistic. Then, I, you know, these, these ideas of like the eccentric genius who, oh, he just pulled himself up by bootstraps and yeah, this is Twitter, just- whatever. I'm, I have the kind of the reverse as with HBO Rome. With HBO Rome, I prefer young Octavian to adult Octavian. I think he goes too robotronic when he mm-hmm. gets to an adult. And then with this, I think I prefer Matthew McNulty as old Gaius to the Tom Glenn Carney as mm-hmm. younger Gaius, where part of the Tom Glenn Carney is like, why is anyone putting up? Why would anyone put up with this kid? Um, <laughs> right? Like he's so, he, he just has this like spoiled, indulgent, you know, he's just banging everybody's wives, which according to, to Suetonius does tell us that he did bang a lot of people's wives. But but yeah, it's like you don't kind of like, I don't buy why this kid's such a political player. But then older Augustus like makes sense to me um, right. at a certain level. And part of it may have just be even been like the young hair where he's kind of this young. You know, why does he have long hair? Why does yeah, it have to be He's this that young way? kind of floppy <laughs> hippie or something. Um, so, you know, he's a teen and he's angsty. Yeah, because well, that's another element where I think like the young cast are in real life older than their like they're I think all in their like mid to late twenties, oh, playing yeah. teenagers, and then the older cast are all like in their mid forties playing like thirty year olds. I think because I, I check back because like after Actium, I think Octavia and Livia are in their like late twenties, early thirties, or something like that. I forget the exact ages, but. That sounds um, great. Yeah. Octavian, I think he was born in 63. And so he's like in his 30s. When, although it makes sense because we have to probably go with him for a couple more years. Um, yeah. So those actors would be a little older than they're actually than they're portraying. But well, and then there's sex scenes, too. And it's like you can't really show teenagers on a show yeah. sleeping with each other. Well, how about you, Christina? What do you think of this Augustus, this Gaius? Gaius. Gaius. <laughs> yeah, Gaius Julius Caesar. They never call him Octavian, right? No, no. they never call him no. Octavian. Mm-hmm. No, Which was that, a choice. Yeah, that was interesting. I, As far as I can remember, at least, like I think in HBO's room, he was referred to as like, what, Caesar? Or, I'm sorry, Octavian mostly, and then yeah. Augustus later. But, mm-hmm. you know, they always referred to him as Gaius, which definitely threw me for a loop. But... Yeah, I would have to agree that I like older Gaius on this show more than younger Gaius. Like I prefer younger, like I prefer the Octavian in HBO's room because he has, because he was always like, not that Gaius on Domino was like dumb by any means, but I felt like HBO's Octavian really captured the essence of who Octavian was as a person, just really smart, witty, and just kind of kept to himself was more kind of like a nerd for lack mm. of a better word. Whereas this guy is was, yeah, very much like a jockey teenager, but I do appreciate the older guys in, in this show. And I think it, I think it was Colin who said it, but like, yeah, these supporting characters on these, sh- on the show 
you know, it demonstrates how important they are to guys. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, It's all right. All good. Sorry. (laughs) That would be very on brand for this show if I took credit for Christy's contribution. I'm sorry. (laughs) Being Domino. I'm out of it. Uh, But yeah, I mean, it just goes to show just how important these people were to Octavian or Augustus's rise to power within, you know, the, the early empire. I certainly liked his interactions with Agrippa. I'm glad we got yeah, a lot of Agrippa yeah. on this show. Yeah, I thought totally. Agrippa was really great. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. Ben Bat. Also, uh, yeah. very chiseled. It's a very chiseled Agrippa. <laughs> yes. Running yes. Bus. make it into the sea to celebrate <laughs> yes. the death of Marcellus. One of my favorite scenes. <laughs> Livia just like straight face reading, I'm so sorry that Marcellus is dead. I'm just Agrippa like cheering and running joyfully <laughs> into the ocean. <laughs> Okay. And beating up other dudes and like those <laughs> little my fighting. MVP, <laughs> my MVP who sadly disappeared halfway through the show is Maxinus, who is was yeah. my favorite. He just yeah. seemed like the, like yeah. you should get, give me more Maxinus. He this yeah. guy it. I so agree. <laughs> he knew what was up too. He was he like, really dude, you can't leave Livia. It's the smartest man in Rome. Yeah. Smartest man in Rome. Your wife is the smartest man in Rome. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, and he just disappears halfway through the show. And yeah, he was. Yeah, he was off discovering Horace or whoever. I guess. Um. I guess. <laughs> oh man! I, the I, one I, thing I wish we got more of was Mark Antony. I wish we got a little bit yeah. more Mark Antony on this show. But I do like the yeah. portrayal of Mark Antony on HBO's Rome. I feel like that's kind yeah. of hard to. Yeah. follow up so i'm sorry like, i didn't mean to interrupt but no no no, no, like, no I it does feel like a like one of those like ooh, they did mark antony really good in rome i don't know yeah, if let's not touch it. Mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> improve upon that like, that may have been a good choice on Dominus yeah because the show makes an odd choice about the sort of pacing and setting because we pick up kind of the first two or so episodes are like during the civil wars but that all happens again because of like the show is so centrally fixed on Livia. We see none, we, or we see almost none of the actual civil war. That all just kind of breezes past us. We get a little <laughs> bit of, you know. So we really don't see Augustus's rise to power. Um, mm-hmm. That happened. He's pretty firmly entrenched by season three or four, um, and it's just sort of mentioned. And so it struck me as an odd choice that we kind of like split it both ways. Like it's not a story about their ascension. Mm-hmm. but it's also it doesn't quite it doesn't start like it feels like it either should have started with them already being in power or like after their marriage or i don't know before it it split a weird difference to me i actually really like the and i feel like it's like a, a very woman focused perspective on what is livia doing during the civil war and mm-hmm. it is like crawling Sex through the Pompey. dirt <laughs> Also that. <laughs> Thank you, Colin. No but it's like crawling through the dirt in the forest as they're like trying to escape another mm-hmm. purge in another city, right? Mm-hmm. So I feel like it was it was very focused on, I guess, a civilian point of view, but also like an important civilian point of view. Yeah. Which, because of her marriage is very targeted and has a child in tow. So she's like dragging this toddler through the woods as they're trying to escape like butchering in various cities. And that felt very real and Mm -hmm. something that I don't think we've seen in any other version of an ancient mini series or an ancient TV series. I actually kind of liked it. And it also, I feel like set the stage a lot for later Tiberius who, yeah, we we do like Mm -hmm. say is, 
weird and standoffish and strange, but they say in so many ways, it's like, this kid was like dragged through the woods. He saw shit that like no child should ever see. Mm-hmm. Like, he is a child yeah. of civil war. And that has really shaped him. Yeah. <laughs> like, obviously, as an adult. <laughs> Which is yeah. something we complained about with I, Claudius, right? Like, yeah. all of a sudden, like, you know, Tiberius, you know, he wasn't great. But then all of a sudden, he's supposedly doing horrendous things. And you you don't know where it came from. Um, this very, like, establishes, like, he's seen some things. Seen some shit. Yeah. And, <laughs> yeah, um, it, a lot. and yeah. like, it does. It impacts him greatly. And, it you know, it impacted Livia, too, to be like, you know, kind of heartless in a lot of regards because she had to do so much to survive. And so they both went through that trauma together. Yeah. Yeah. And I can see how that's not like an exciting part of a story to tell. Like there is like a, a dip that I feel like, but I like that they kept it in for the characterization. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it worked for me yeah. as like a woman watching this story. <laughs> We can talk about Tiberius more later, but Tiberius, since we were talking about Augustus, he feels very much like young Augustus or young yes. Octavian in yeah. Rome. Like mm-hmm. they really just I kind agree. of shifted the character over and it made now he's the calculating odd one out who's going to eventually rise to power, though he also, like we just mentioned, has this macabre side to him. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I, I guess we should talk about the main thrust, which is Livia and her. We probably should. We, re- we really should talk about her. Yeah, we're 30 yeah. minutes in. I guess we can talk about her. <laughs> 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 I I really love young Livia. I really like older Livia. I think both of the actresses did a really great job. I almost wish that we had more young Livia. Yeah. I feel mm-hmm. like I I do almost wish that they did the time jump like a little bit later. Mm-hmm. Or I feel like those actors because they are older could have played older like and kept kind of pushing that until I don't know but I feel like that's also like a really hard line to mm-hmm. to sort of balance on but I, I liked young Livia a lot and I think a lot of that worked really really well and I don't know how I feel about her being like a secret Republican <laughs> and I feel like this is like the big the big thing that we see in so many modern renditions of ancient Rome, it's like thinking about gladiator, it's like we're coding our like good characters with do they want a return to the Republic? <laughs> yes or no. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I and like in I Claudius it was the same thing. It's like we're killing off these quote unquote like good characters because they want to bring the Republic back. Mm-hmm. And we're on Livia's side, supposedly, or I feel like we should be, because she's secretly plotting against Augustus question mark to bring the Republic back question mark. So yeah, I feel like that is the biggest through line that I can see in this drawn out connection between a lot of our different renditions of ancient Rome in TV is how we use the Republic. I, someone, someone else should talk. Cause okay. I'm more okay. I got it. I got it. Okay. <laughs> so very far on that. No, no, no. This, this is brings the thing. us back just... to Liam Cunningham as sure. Liv- is it Livius? Yes. Father yeah, and Livius. his, his death, death at Philippi, but a very honorable Roman man mm-hmm. and all of this. And I, I kind of, 
I liked that it was a big departure from I, Claudius, because I do think that sometimes the show is reacting to that one as well. Like, Rome is definitely very present in their mind when they're making this, but I, I think they are connecting back to I, Claudius, and, like, that's just it, right? That's the major difference between the Livia is, like, Livia mm. and I, Claudius is like, eh, gotta get rid of all the Republicans, because they don't know, they don't realize the system was broken, and I don't want to go back to that. Versus this Livia is... I mean, th that is the historical fact, right? Her father fights at Philippi and dies. Mm -hmm. yep. And so he was on the other side of things. So how does Livia end up married to Augustus? And, you know, how does she deal? What I really loved was the relationship it showed between father and daughter. Because I think sometimes we forget when we're trying to talk, like bring women voices into these ancient paternalistic societies it's like sometimes we forget like there were loving relationships between men and women and i that's the other thing i like about the show is like augustus and livia love each other livia was loved by her father and that would complicate the situation for sure but i think the where they're trying to get around that problem is like someone had said it i, I was trying to think if it was the fever dream of her father is like you've fallen in love fallen in love with power and yeah. like, I think that's a really important question because, yeah, she might have had certain motivations early on in the marriage, but over time, her position connected to Augustus gave her tons of power and privilege that would be very difficult to let go. Yeah, I, I, I like the relationship between Livia and her father. Um, I appreciate the fact that he kept calling her little bear. I thought that was a really cute little reference that... It's, it's nice. You don't always see those um, types of like tender relationships between father and daughter on these shows. At least I haven't seen I, Claudia's. I've only seen like maybe an episode of it. So I can't speak to that show, but it's a nice change to see a loving relationship between father and daughter, you know, but I thought it was interesting. I like the fact that the show started with Livia as a teenager, you know, and her marriage to Tiberius Claudius Nero. I think that's his yeah, name. That's, mm -hmm. right. Yeah. Yeah. I like, I like that it showed that her marriage to Tiberius Claudius Nero and, you know, her sort of upstart, but I think she, I think she definitely knew that by being with Octavian that she recognized how powerful he was and that by marrying into that, she would be, she would have access to that power, you know, when, you know, the first thing she asked him is for armed bodyguards and for all these things. And he's like, yes. what do you need all that for? Yes. She's like, don't worry about it. But I also appreciate the fact that when they finally, you know, agree to be married to each other, that she is fully pregnant because that is important to keep that little detail in there that he willingly wanted to, he, he was going to marry her, you know, whether she was nine months pregnant or not, you know, like that didn't yeah. matter to her. And he was willing to find any way to make that marriage happen, despite him being with Sempronia, who was, you know, also expecting his child as well at the time. And so I appreciate the fact that like it kept those details in the show. You know, I like that they didn't cut that out because they could have easily cut 
some of that out. Sure. Or, and yeah. I think it's yeah. it's important and informative because it does, I mean, one of the kind of questions when, you know, it supposedly, right, Augustus did divorce his wife, Scribonia, the day she gave birth in order to marry a very pregnant Livia. And then him and Livia remained married for the rest of their lives for a very long time, despite not actually having any children together, which right. does kind of invite this question. Well, it's like, well, why would they have done that? And the sort of only natural explanation is, you know, he loved her and or needed her in some in some capacity. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. But to kind of Eli's point about like, right, when we want to have good characters in a Roman setting, we make them Republicanists or Republican sympathizer, Republic sympathizers. And this is where my biggest kind of like the hurdle that I can't get over with this show is that when it's because it, it starts from the premise of like we are going to revision and resuscitate and revitalize Livia, right? It's, you know, in the long tradition of we're going to tell the story from the villain's perspective, right? Going back to like Wicked um, or, you know, <laughs> before that, right? I mean, it's, this is not a new thing, right? Maleficent. And this has been increasingly, I think, a popular move. Sure. And so there are some changes that can happen that are fine, right? We're like her first husband, Nero, he sucks, right? So we can get rid of him. Marcellus, sucks we can get rid of him like he's a threat and like him. i'm not I mean, the bold boy really, was it a struggle to do it yeah um and yeah so marcelo's really i think of if anyone is, is really torn down it's him his reputation in this show yes. really just whoosh. but then it um, it comes into like well if we're gonna make her good quote unquote right then she should want to restore the public but then you run into the bumper lanes of well she is the mother and grandmother of all of the next emperors so yeah. <laughs> right. So she either she failed spectacularly to restore the Republic or that was never her intent. So we'll see where this show is going with this. Um, is it going to pull it? Because I Claudius did almost the exact same thing where Claudius has this, you know, this plan at the end to sort of restore the Republic that falls out on him. We'll see if that kind of same thing happens with Livia. I call this problem the Cruella problem because it's like when it starts from the impulse of we want to turn the bad character good, then you still have to reconcile well, like what if they kill puppies or something yeah. like that? Yeah, no, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I, then how do we reconcile? And then the show kind of contorts itself in a way. So we'll see how hard the show has to contort yeah. itself too. I will say that to me, what my overall takeaway was and what I think the show does really well that you don't always see in other shows is that it shows just how powerful Livia is, but how quickly she can lose that power. Like mm. there are decisions that are a gamble. And if it if it, it's a matter of luck, if she gets like, I love that her entire family, like all the younger kids are like, don't mess with Aunt Livia. <laughs> like, and you know, Agrippa's like, obviously I know who killed Marcellus. Like right. it's like yeah. she she has this level of infamy within her family, but then we get to see what a knife's edge that is for her all the time mm -hmm. and just how close she is to kind of losing it all. And I really appreciate that. Like she is powerful, but her power has like, I don't want to say limits It's contingent on a lot yeah. of things, which makes her vulnerable. And yeah. I, I think the show did that really well. I think it's Scribonia who says at some point, she's like, if we know, imagine who else knows. What if Livia knows? And it's like, she's like already five steps behind and like Livia's already yeah. like dealing with it. I just love that. Sidebar, sidebar. I love when it was at Marcelina. All of a sudden the one putting it all together. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. 
so that like so like the whole conflict in the final episode is basically like they everybody kind of knows or suspects that Livia has killed Marcellus. And then it just basically boils down to like Augustus doesn't care. Um yeah. he's like, mm-hmm. I am I'm fine. Like I like right. fine, we'll let it go. And that leads us into like, so really the I mean, even just how centered this show is on women, one in that there's so many female characters, two that is told from the perspective of such an emphasis on like childbirth and child rearing. But then also that leads to are all of our villains are basically uh, other women where like the main antagonist is Scribonia who becomes the Servilia of this show. Right? She's doing yeah. almost the same thing. Constant like she's, curses. Yeah, cursing, yes. trying to curse. And in the same juxtaposition where like the Servilia Adia where Servilia is proper, refined, a, a true patrician noble woman behaves properly, follows all the rules, going up against Adia, this kind of unscrupulous, willing to do whatever it takes you know, you have that same dynamic here with Scribonia and and Livia. Although the thing that I kind of almost prefer is like, well, Adia is we don't need to we don't need to find a way to make Adia a saint. She sure. just gets to yeah. be wicked and we kind of love her for it. Yeah. Um, and I kind of almost wish that the show went this way with Livia. That's just like, just let her be bad. That's kind of fun. Like, right. Let her just yeah. be, let her just be kind of wicked and we can revel in that a little bit. I almost would have been a little more impressed had Livia like done the deeds instead of just making Antigone do all the the other for her. You know, because like if it wasn't for Antigone and Tycho, like Mm -hmm. there's no way Livia would have been able to eliminate all those, you know, competitors to the throne essentially or the heirs, I should say. I'm wondering if they're going to, because I don't think Antigone shows up in season two. No. Okay. Oh, really? So I feel like there's going to no, be spoiler. a shift. I'm sorry. So, yeah, sorry. that's one thing. Just interesting I read thing. the cast list. I'm sorry. Was there a, uh, yeah. I wonder if there's a cat, if there was, a, this is a behind the scenes issue or something. But. I don't know. It I could be, really but know. it could also be an explanation as like, you know, no one starts out as the villain. So in like mm-hmm. I, Claudius, it makes it look like Livia just did all of it. And like, mm-hmm. here's like, oh, her husband, her first husband died of some oysters and she wasn't aware of like what had actually caused it for a long time. And then she learns and she's like, oh, I can make this an option for this. Like Marcellus cannot, just cannot. I cannot mm-hmm. have him. So and that's just it, right? It's almost a huge royal. It is a royal screw up of a poisoning that happens with Marcellus and Livia gets poisoned. And mm-hmm. so like it doesn't go well. The end result. It kind of works out perfectly. Kind of. Kind of. I mean, she kind of covers her own tracks, right? Like, why would I poison myself? Yeah. The only (laughs) real screw up was Tycho should have not buried that guy in the sand six hours down. Shouldn't like buried him with his stuff. Like just also that. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Just a body in the sand. Who knows? (laughs) With the ring, with the identifying ring. It was his like like his little wax tablet of like, come on, man, come on. (laughs) Easy enough yeah. to take that out of his hands. I don't know. Tycho, do better. Um, yeah. <laughs> he was rushed. <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. Fair enough. Leads, Digging in sand. Really I mean, like moving a dead body by yourself, terrible. We should come back to this when we wrap up the yes. show. Yeah. <laughs> this yeah. will be our this will be our closing question. I mean, Elijah and I have a lot of experience digging very deep into the ground. And I have a lot of experience moving dead bodies. So <laughs> Unfortunately, that is true. (laughs) Yeah, no, I just realized it's like, they're lighter than usual. I'm like, never mind. You've had another career. (laughs) No. (laughs) Oh, no. Okay. I got dark. (laughs) Mm -hmm. 
Let's just okay, say we're well, informed yeah. on what this is. I was going to say, like, if someone was tuning into this podcast at the right or wrong time, depending on how you want to right. frame it, like, we're archaeologists <laughs> and Vlad used to be an M- And yep. And I was an Emmy. Yep. That's awesome. <laughs> Oh my gosh! Wait, no. I feel like we should we should talk about Antigone like as yeah. as a whole because yes. I I do think it's interesting that they framed like Livia as through the whole first few episodes she was very much like don't murder people that's unRoman because like mm-hmm. Livius like you know was like nope we're not gonna kill Caesar he was not a part of the assassination plot and she like had that I don't know. Just, we don't play dirty. It's un-Roman. we don't play dirty. Yeah, that was like part of part of her upbringing that she mm-hmm. didn't think that that was how you played politics, and that is not like the landscape <laughs> of politics in Rome anymore. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I don't know how I feel about Antigone being the one to kind of rope her into that because I really love Antigone as a character. She's this like former slave who has all of this knowledge. And I love that she says at one point, she's like, my mother was born in Rome. Her mother was born in Rome. Like Mm -hmm. I am a, I'm Roman. Like this is where I come from. Even if she's a freed woman, even if her ancestors were slaves, like this is what she thinks of as her home and how realistic that must have been for so many slaves and freed people. And like, are we, are we like pinning the bad or the evilness like on her for like corrupting Livia. It feels like a way to kind of exonerate Livia. Yeah, Yeah. it does. And I don't know how I feel about that. And I almost kind of like Antigone not being there in the future to maybe be the devil on Livia's shoulder because do we, do we need that? Do we, I don't know. Well, and and this speaks to uh, a kind of issue. I I love Antigone as well. And, you know, in some ways, this is a show that was trying to be diverse in some of its representations of the Roman world. But I feel like it trips on quite a few things. Antigone Uh uh, being a black actress is one of them Uh because it's that story, right, of a slave who's been enslaved from her family's been enslaved for a long time. She is then freed. She is then recaptured and put back into slavery. And then, yeah, she's the one who initiates these poisonings that we usually accredit to Livia and like mark her as evil for that. So like Mm -hmm. I it's not a fair representation, especially I like the idea that possibly her skills with herbs and medicine is coming from uh, knowledge of her family and from Africa. I think that's really cool. But more realistically, in a lot of regards, is like most people in Rome who are going to listen to women who do medicine are probably of Greek descent. And you have plenty of Greek slaves like that. So it's like it was an active choice to make Antigone black and have her Mm -hmm. fulfill the slave role in that regard. So it's like I have a little bit of problem. I would love to know how other people have taken that, people of color, like how they kind of take that character in that storyline because I feel like it could have been done a little differently. 
I'll leave it at there because I have another gripe with diversity. This, but this, this is kind of the problem sometimes, right? Is is like one of one of the marks of like privilege is you only have to represent yourself. And mm -hmm. to be fair, I'm well, quoting Linda Holmes from NPR on this one. She says this, but like there is, we you end up in this situation where you have only a handful of characters of color, and then they end up sort of taking on the world of everything else that they represent outside of themselves and that character. And so it is part of me kind of worries like it's it sucks. Like I don't have a good solution. It is unfair. Yeah all of this stuff kind of gets dragged in where we don't have the same kind of things about the Spanish slave, for example. Yes. Um, yep. Right. Although he's mm -hmm. problematic for a different reason. So. But yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Is there, is there a like, not bury your gaze, but like, there's a little like Mar Marcellus being gay and queer and also villainized. Like, I don't know. Yep. I don't want to take those two too closely construed, but and also your most trans-representing um, actor in the show, the uh, mother of the whorehouse that Antigone was sold to oh, and God, then yeah, is yeah. killed by yeah. Antigone. It's not good. It's not is a good look, Domino. puritanical in its... Yeah. And it's like, uh, this is not messaging well. If you're really paying attention in 2023, it's like, this is not a good look. Yeah, there's no, like, at least for a while in Rome, you had uh, Octavia and Servilia mm -hmm. for a period yeah. of time. And that that the relationship like didn't end well, but <laughs> it wasn't the worst thing. <laughs> it wasn't the best thing. Christine. It wasn't the best, but it wasn't the worst, like most relationships. So, you know. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, so, I lost the thread, sorry. Oh, um, okay, I was saying, Christina, do, what are your thoughts on Antigone? Do you have strong feelings one way or the other? Yeah, I feel basically the same way that Christy does, you know, where it's like, I like Antigone as a person, but I do have to agree that, you know, that I thought it was a choice to make you know, the black slave be the one instigating all these murders and kind of fuel Livia's bloodlust, essentially. Mm -hmm. Did I think it was satisfying when she killed Tiberius Claudius Nero? Sure, because yeah. he was oh, a yeah. jerk. Yeah. Um, oh, he did deserved I think it, right? 100%. Yeah. yeah, I mean, did I think it was satisfying that she got back at the, you know, mistress of the slave house? Sure. I definitely. thought that was yeah. I, I thought that was satisfying, but it definitely it it rubbed me the wrong way too. And like just the fact that like all the slaves in this show, like they were all darker. And listen, I get it, it's the Roman Empire, so it is what it is, but it's also like, you know, there were Greeks too, and you know, they're not uh, as you, a they half did have Greek. the one German girl. <laughs> they had the one German yeah. girl. Right. And you know, they made her into, you know, the a whore essentially you know yeah. or at least Livia attempted to sell her off as one yeah it was like I don't know I think like even Spartacus did a little better job with handling the slaves than the show did mm. in some ways you yeah. know I mean at least the slaves in Spartacus you know they had like their own personalities they had like really meaningful relationships with each other and they weren't just all bloodthirsty despite having yeah. them being gladiators yeah. you know like there were Sorry, sorry, Colin. Go ahead. No, 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 no. Keep going. That was mostly but I, it. <laughs> I was going to say it seems like the, the the show's kind of thesis, if I can maybe try to mind read for it, is that like Antigone is informed by all of her like suffering and, and trauma. Where like she has had it much rougher than Livia for all these reasons. Like one, starting right. off enslaved, 
her when she is knocked unconscious by Tiberius and then resold into slavery despite having gotten her freedom. And just like how hard she has to kind of to scrap for everything, which is what like makes her that she's more willing to poison the the madam's grapes or, you know, poison poison who she wants to poison, you know, get what she wants. And even just adding on to it, I mean, also that character does suffer when I think about it now. There's another round of like we are just inflicting a lot of trauma onto this character. Yeah. Where right. the enslavement, right? and then the miscarriage. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. Everything um kind of happens to her. That sort of, you know, is why she's more willing to go to the the dark side. I will say my favorite moment that I think spoke really well to slavery in Rome was when she was freed. And her first thing she asked is like, what's going to happen to me? Because yeah. like, oh, I have my freedom. I lose the house I've grown up in. I lose, yep. you know, those kids. Like that, that's her fear all of a sudden, right? Mm-hmm. And, and that's the problem too, is like that becomes kind of the arc of her story is like, I'm free, but I'm not ever really truly free because my existence is so closely tied to Livia mm-hmm. and yeah. this household. Right. I mean, I do appreciate the fact that Livia does have a genuine fondness for Antigone. She does deeply mm-hmm. care yeah. about her even before Antigone started to eliminate, you know, Augustus's oh, so-called heirs, you know, or heir appearance, I should say. Mm-hmm. And so that was nice to see was, you know, a sort of genuine respect for each other in that way and that Livia really went out of her way to get Antigone out of slavery again and to bring her back into the household but yeah you're right like I can understand Antigone's actions considering she did have a really horrible upbringing you know being born a slave and then being abandoned in the woods knocked unconscious only to be back in slavery like I can I can empathize with that Mm -hmm. for sure yeah. It's interesting that she does not come back for season two, but I will have I to hold I'm off so, on that until. So interested. I, like I said, I think the reason is, is like they don't want to put that all on Antigone. Like Livia now has to choose. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, if this is 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 this the route she's going to pursue? And if so, it is up to her. And I yeah. do hope we get to that point in I Claudius where she's just an old woman talking to <laughs> another poisoning woman. Be yeah. like, oh, what do you use? <laughs> Because <laughs> like that was one of my favorite See, scenes from I Claudius. Maybe I yeah, maybe I'm just biased and, and the, the world's been poisoned by I Claudius, but like I just kinda wanna see a wicked Livia and just like just own it, right? Just be I mean we might get yeah. to that point. We might. Maybe, yeah. 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 We'll see if if the uh how it Because I I think that's what season one was about, was trying to show that, you know, villains aren't born, they're made. You right. know, so, tyrants yeah. aren't born, they're made. Like all of these things. I guess we should we can talk about the supporting cast. Yeah. So like from Antigone, I kind of wanted to maybe go toward Tiberius and Mm -hmm. Nero as as boys because she, Antigone, like feels a lot of like maternal Mm -hmm. attachment to the boys. And I think that's so interesting. And again, it's such a realistic like vision of motherhood in the ancient world as like, like Livia has to leave her children when she gets a new Yep. husband and like scribonia has to leave her like newly born child with livia who Here, is her husband's is new wife yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, and that was so sad and heartbreaking and it like pulls on all of these heartstrings in a very i think like realistic again way of this is the reality of the political situation that women find themselves in and it's not surprising that antigone would have a very strong maternal feelings about tiberius and drusus 
mm-hmm. who she helped raise in so many ways, even if they are little weirdos. Even mm-hmm. and everybody keeps saying Tiberius is weird. Nobody likes him. Um, <laughs> and then Tiberius, who also I will add, looks like Billy Joe Armstrong from Green Day. Like he yes. did. He yes. also has yeah. strong emo vibes um, <laughs> all the time, but. Has only looked more like Billy Joe Armstrong as he has gotten older. I feel mm-hmm. like I also looked at his like IMDb page and I was like, wow, okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I I think that's that's correct. Because I was going back to the what I was thinking earlier about like the trauma that both Tiberius and Livia experienced in killing that soldier who was, you know, gonna turn them in. Yeah. And like if I don't know if you guys noticed and um, but Olivia has had called Tiberius Little Bear. Like she used the nickname yeah. her father used mm-hmm. for Tiberius, but then we get that time skip, and after this event, I don't think she calls him Little Bear anymore. Like something kind of breaks in their relationship. She calls both of them. She calls them Little Bears. At okay, some point. it's both Tiberius and Drusus, but it might just be like once or yeah. twice. But it's both of them. It's not just Tiberius. Yeah, and she it- really like has this kind of separation from him for a while. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think it's probably because of that trauma. <laughs> yeah. And the thing they point out is like he what is it? He reminds people of his father. Tiberius reminds mm-hmm. people of his father and Drusus reminds people of their grandfather. Yep. Or yep. really what's going on is Drusus is reminding people of his actual father, Sextus Pompey. Yep. <laughs> uh, who is a beach bum? I don't know how else to... You know, he looked like a surfer. He yeah, like... he definitely has like a puka yeah. shell necklace. He's just hanging um, out on Sicily. And you know, right. I'm like, you know what? I too would just stay just on Sicily. Just hanging out and be like, disrupting Rome's grain supply. <laughs> living the dr- Catching waves in the afternoon. Go for um, him. <laughs> <laughs> same sex as Poppy, same. <laughs> I love that part where Livia just goes absolutely like ape shit on Pompey's um, altar. Oh, the altar, just, yes. just fucking so just good. goes wild. And yeah. Tiberius is like, what the fuck are you doing? And just <laughs> loses his mind. And she's like, I'm pregnant. I'm like, yeah, I would probably have the same reaction. Yeah, sounds about right. <laughs> <laughs> also, like, um, something that I appreciate is we've, we've touched on it a few times, but I really appreciated about the show was both how transactional marriage and divorce is like, yes. like mm-hmm. this is a thing uh, like it's a contract, right? It is a contract to benefit two parties. And if it's not beneficial to the two parties anymore, it can be broken off and reestablished with someone else. Um, I think we forget it's like marriage is a contract at the end of the day. Oh, it's, yeah, not it's, a, bus- it's very much a business arrangement. Yeah. <laughs> and at the same time, children are part of that. Like, mm-hmm. I, I think that's what's so cruel about this world and so realistic is like it truly reduces people down to property. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Reminds me of this um, quote that I read about um, Marcus Aurelius I want to say it's Cassius Dio, but correct me if I'm wrong. But, you know, when Marcus Aurelius is asked about divorcing Faustina because, you know, there are rumors of her, you know, being unfaithful. And he says, well, if I do that, I'd have to return the dowry of the empire. You know, I'm not quoting that correct. I'm not quoting that verbatim, but that's basically the gist of it is that Faustina is the empire, you know, and Mm -hmm. yeah, it just when I was watching 
domain that I kept thinking of that sort of, you know, that transactional um, mm-hmm. aspect of marriage and childbirth, um, especially like with Sempronia having to give up baby Julia to Livia. It's like, oof, yeah. that's yeah. hard. That's yeah. really hard. Um, mm-hmm. You know, oh, I feel awful. for these women that just had their children to their husband's household. It's like, God, that sucks. Yeah. 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 yeah, and it, it, it explains, too, of, like, why pregnancy, like, pregnancy is terrifying, as we see over and over again, but it's, like, even if you survive it, that doesn't mean you even get to see your kid grow up, because yeah. divorce can just remove them from you. And the pressure of having the next one, because also one of the main exactly. plot points, is yes. Livia has the miscarriage and then is unable to have any more children, and then she's basically like, well, that's it, I'm done, because if I can't mm-hmm. give Augustus an heir, then, like, what good am I? Um, which leads us to Marcellus and his obsession with grandchildren um, and Augustus's general obsession with heirs and legacy. Yeah. Which the thing that he never quite gets. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> which is weird because it's like he was adopted, right? Like, that was yeah. No, I, mean, I, was, I did make a note about <laughs> right. that. I'm like, he's so fixated. And it's, it seems like a missed opportunity that the show doesn't bring up that his heirdom to Julius Caesar is via adoption. Yeah. Which yep. was a very popular thing among Roman patricians that they would adopt people and yeah. there's a lot of around. lead in the pipes in those <laughs> days <laughs> so you got to find a kid where you can I guess mm. so damn <laughs> but Tiberius yeah this 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 angsty little emo teenager anything yeah. else we want because he's the he's the he's simultaneously very astute at politics yeah and very apathetic mm-hmm. towards them whereas brother Drusus is all vim Plus- and vigor I can definitely see like um, Tiberius's personality, like like you said, like astute, but you know, very much politically savvy. Like I can definitely see how that plays a factor in him being emperor much mm-hmm. later. Yes. Um, and I think that's, I'd like to think that's what the show is setting up is for him to eventually take over. Yeah, mm-hmm. sure. I think I think at some point it's Augustus who points out that you know, he's really good at management or administration. Yes. He's really yeah. good at administration, but that's not necessarily the same as politics. It's like, that's knowing the people in positions and what they're capable of and like what they can do. But that is not the same as like wheeling and dealing people to get things mm-hmm. that you want. Right. And then, done. yeah. And it also kind of gets into Tiberius's alienation from it. Like a lot of this feels like it's looking ahead to Tiberius's reign where all that Tiberius wants to do when he's in charge is not be emperor and just yeah. piece off to Capri or Rhodes or whatever <laughs> and just kind of like hang out and push philosophers off cliffs or whatever. Um, and so he like has he has lines of like, why can't we just stay here like in the lake yes. country and just like chill? Like, why do I have to do yeah, this? Why and do I then have to go back? Also his alienation from his mother and the rift that's going to form, which, you know, I Claudius kind of gets into a little bit of like Tiberius very much resenting Livia for every the way she's sort of controlling controlling his life and his like he just can't get out. You know, and he's an old man and she's an even older woman. And then, you know, he's just bumping into her in the street and he's like, Will I ever be rid of you? <laughs> no. But, yeah. Uh, and do. also, but was missing, I mean, the great lines like, God, this is my clothes where she says, like, I must have been nodding when I gave birth to you or something like that. Or like, the day something occurs to you that it hasn't occurred to me already, like, I want you to light my funeral pyre, yes, whether or not I'm still alive. Uh, I do like that. This Tiberius is kind of like Livia's match in some ways. Like he always seems to be able to track what she's doing. Like he Mm -hmm. recognizes it all. He Mm -hmm. can follow it. 
he like reads between the lines and Drusus is like, what? And he's like, oh, I thought that was obvious. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, like, is that play between the, the two of them? But at the same time, he is so, he's not instigating anything. Like he's not running any games of his own. He's just yeah. watching everybody yeah. else scurry around like rats in a cage. Because he doesn't the grand want plan to, right? is yeah. to mm-hmm. get Tiberius and Drusus in power so they yeah. can restore the Republic. And mm-hmm. Drusus has the sort of popularity or is at least likable. And but and they need each other, right? They kind of they together Tiberius and Drusus could be one very good person. Yes. Mm-hmm. yes. Yeah. But they're well, two brothers. So what do you guys make of Tiberius's uh, obsession with right. his mom? And I feel like they kind of tried to resolve that because we see in the last episode of season one, we see him interacting with a prostitute wanting him to be the mother. And she ends up, I think he ends up strangling her. Yeah, he yeah, kills her. It's it very edible. Very yeah. edible. But then after that, Antigone reveals she's the one who killed his father because he seems really obsessed with, like, he believes that Livia killed their father. Right. And mm-hmm. then, but he learns, like, this actual maternal figure in his life, Antigone, is the one who did that. Yeah. And that's when he decides, that's when he decides all of a sudden to be supportive about right. this, yeah. put Drusus mm-hmm. in power. I, mean, I read it as guilt, but I don't know if that might have been a misreading. I'm, I'm, I'm just really curious, like, where that aspect, like, what is his obsession exactly? Like, yeah, why is he paying so much attention to the machinations of his mother? Or even just, like, it gets the, the early hints of, like, why he kills the turtle. Oh, that's well, because it was given to him from Marcellus, and he hates Marcellus. Oh, all right, never and mind. That, that part felt pretty straight. Comment retracted. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't fully know where they're going with his his obsession, and I don't know if they're just trying to make it another aspect of like the trauma and I don't know something weirder that they plan to do in season two. Which I don't know. I'm not like. Uh, we don't need to make Tiberius weirder than he is. Like, I guess no. I'm, I'm curious, what's the like natural endpoint for this show? Yeah, hypothetically, right? blank check. We got as many seasons as we want. Where does it end with her death? Does it end before Seems her like death? Does it end with Tiberius on the throne? Does it end with Caligula on the throne? Hmm. I mean, if it ended with her death, I mean, in a perfect world, I would love for the show to eventually go down to like Agrippina the Younger being her granddaughter because Agrippina is so much like Livia, you know, but I don't like as far as the question about like where they're taking Tiberius, I mean, Tiberius and Livia have a very complicated relationship. I mean, when she dies, he basically doesn't allow her to be buried in Augustus's mausoleum and doesn't allow her to become deified and receive those honors at least. And at least having watched ahead, like it seems like he kind of comes around to Livia. I mean, that's what it seems like. But again, because Tiberius is the way he is, I mean, he could easily just switch to, you know, and I don't know. I don't really have an answer. Yeah, I mean, I guess if it, if the show is allowed to go as far, I don't know how far season two goes, but if it's allowed to continue, are we going to get a Sejanus, right? Who's in kind Ooh, of a way is like so the wedge so between good. Tiberius and Livia. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Hmm. I, I mean, and that's kind of the funny thing to think about, right? Like Livia's vow and grand plan is now based upon the death of her husband. Mm-hmm. Like she's just waiting yeah. for Augustus to die. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. Are, is she going to poison his figs? We'll see. 
yeah. Uh. And like, <laughs> yeah, that'd be interesting. It's like, so, so I could see the end being something like Augustus. But again, it's like Livia seems so powerful, but in the end, she can't get, if that's supposedly the goal, she can't get Tiberius to reinstate the Republic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what does that do to her? Like that for her, Tiberius is the last opportunity. It's true. Or does she fall in love with power and she just wants to control through Tiberius at that point? All good questions. This is why, even though it'd be the death of this show or our show, Movies We Dig, that we should stop recreating historical figures and we should just write pure fantasy. Because Spec- <laughs> if this were speculative <laughs> or fantasy fiction, it could be whatever, right? Live, we, don't, we're, we, we are confined somewhat by the box we have put ourselves in. Of we, it has, there are certain unavoidable things that we, you know, well, I keep whacking the microphone. I'm sorry. <laughs> I mean, um, like it's angry at you, Colin. Gesture forcefully. Um, unless we go full fanfic, Colin. Like, are we just going to descend into magic? Just alternative history. Yeah. <laughs> Olivia is the Illuminati and she's still alive and she's still running everything. <laughs> there's the, but there's a great bit in the, the Simpsons with Lucy Lawless as Xena where she's like, anytime there's an inconsistency in the show or something doesn't make sense, a wizard did it. Um, <laughs> yeah. Love it. Perfect. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Any other characters we want to, we're coming up on about, coming up on an hour and a half, so. Maybe just the relationship between Julia and, oh, what's his name? Euless? Euless. Okay. Which uh, I had to look up because he never showed up in that Claudius. I'm like, who's this kid? And I'm like, oh, Fulvia's son. Yeah. Da- son. Okay, yeah, got it. Yeah. All right. Mainly Julia. Mm-hmm. Like, it's such a bad rap historically. But in other versions, like I, Claudius. Has anyone uh, else slept with my daughter? <laughs> Has anyone else slept with my daughter? It's because he's boss ass. Yes. Which, again, I cannot believe that I didn't know Colin. And I feel like it's like changed you my didn't, It wasn't too. when Augustus goes like... <laughs> <laughs> I can't, I can't take you seriously. <laughs> no, I can't do it. Nope. But I really like Julia as just like this child who's surrounded by all of these family pressures, who's mm-hmm. acting out in like the only way that she feels like she can. And I and I just I like I like Julia a lot and I can't wait to see more from Julia in mm-hmm. season two. Well, and she's technically following her mother's advice, right? Like her yeah. mother says, like, dude, just do the marriage, pop out some kids. Be discreet and you can do, do whatever, whatever you the want. F you want. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's also telling that there's like the generational difference between those kids versus Livia and Augustus and Agrippa mm-hmm. and those people were like the people that were the children of civil war and grew up in civil war versus the children who are born only ever knowing wealth and prosperity and yeah. peace, right? They have that, right? And they act like that, right? They, they, there is like a, there's a mini show in here of just like Gossip yes. Girl or something. That's yeah. just like these kids exactly. bopping around by eye and like they're, you know, they're, they, they've got money, they're young, they're hot and they've got money. Except you like, let's see where this tells us, us that he listened to his brother get killed, like begging mm-hmm. for mercy. So like, he's, yeah. yeah he he not you can't come. <laughs> I, I just like that they end, like, they kind of end season one with Julia and Ulysses. You know, Livia tries to be like, this ends now. And they're like, 
but we picked your side. So now you can't tell us what to do. And it's like, and that's going to backfire at some point. We know that's good. Oh, yeah. yeah again, yeah. like this, we know things don't work out for Julia or Eulis for that matter. No. Oh, what the hell happens to that guy? Probably nothing good. <laughs> right. No. Like all ancient historical figures, he dies somehow. Well, I feel like there's a reason he's not an I Claudius, right? <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was, was like, wait, I don't know who this kid is. Why wasn't he an I Claudius? <laughs> Because he dies. Which one is he? <laughs> All of them die. That's the point. True. Okay, should we have our like wrap up thoughts and yeah. or yeah. maybe predictions for season? Final two? thoughts. All right. My my question is basically any like final thoughts, final verdicts on the show, and then my final question to put to all three of you is: if you had to dispose of a body. Of Marcellus. Ah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Let's say for the thought experiment, it's Marcellus's lover slash poisoner. <laughs> How would you do it? And also for the sake of the question, you are also in it's the first century BC. Um, sure, sure. Which <laughs> might make things a lot easier. Hundred percent, um, way easier. Well, considering they go into the sewer to find the turtle, and I'm like, is there no safe place to hide a body in the show? <laughs> But, Christina, we can start with you. If you have any, like, final verdicts, right, you know, recommend the show, anything you want to add on that? Yeah, I mean, well, to answer the one question about how to dispose a body, I mean, I would just take my, you know, luxury boat out into Mm -hmm. the Mediterranean. Or if I'm in (laughs) Egypt, I would just feed them to the alligators or hippopotami. That's one, you know, I'm giving back to the environment because we're all about sustainability and, you know, all that. But I mean, as far as like closing thoughts go, I mean, I thought this was a really good show. I mean, I enjoyed it. I'm not going to lie. The first time I watched like the first episode or two with my advisor when it first came out and I thought it was like kind of cringe, mostly because like I'm watching Augustus getting head and I was like, this is really uncomfortable to watch with my professor. (laughs) But after watching it again recently, yeah, I was like, oh, okay, I'm, I'm entertained. I mean, I like the drama of For it. Sure. And yeah, definitely left. It made me want to watch season two all the more. So I ended up just binge watching the second season right after that. Nice. So yeah, I enjoyed it. I thought it was fun. Historical inaccuracies and weirdness aside, it was fun. Mm-hmm. I'd recommend <laughs> I mean, I love it, again, kind of for the reason I said, is, like, I think it does an excellent job of illustrating actual power dynamics at the time period, which I I feel like other shows are less successful at. So I I see it as a true successor to Rome and I, Claudius. Like, it feels like if you enjoyed those shows, you will love this as kind of a continuation rehash of some of those characters that you might have fallen in love with in, in those two shows. And you know what? I'm just going to do what Agrippa does because that seemed highly effective. Hire a guy to smash in the person's face, saw some limbs off, mm-hmm. and then nobody's going to find that body. So, like, Agrippa gave us the winning oh, 100%. technique <laughs> yeah. already. Oh, so. There Absolutely. is something to be said about how Agrippa is so – it's, okay, it's easy for him to murder somebody oh, yeah. and get away easy. with it. Yep. He has a lot more resources at his disposal for that. That's true. That One, be rich. Two. Yeah. Be a man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because apparently being rich did not work for Livia. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I I really enjoyed Domina and on a on a rewatch, I think I, I liked it 
just as much, especially having just watched a lot of Rome and all Mm -hmm. of I, Claudius. I feel like it is fun to see different takes on these same characters, a different rendition and a different reception of the same historical storyline. And I appreciate that it's very, very focused on the women in these stories and especially on their power dynamics within among themselves even I feel like you know they don't even have to talk about men sometimes it's even just about themselves and their children for all of its failings I agree I do think it was really entertaining Mm -hmm. (laughs) and I'm really excited to watch season two so I yeah I I would recommend and definitely if you're gonna bury a body on the beach like don't do it close to the water (laughs) take jewelry and like things out of pockets obviously and i agree with christy if you can chop it into smaller pieces and spread it down the beach oh yeah much better Mm -hmm. even better if you can drop some of it in the water because Mm -hmm. that will disintegrate more of it much faster and if you have any like you know identifying features get rid of them (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> which this leads me to a general question for archaeologists in particular eli so we fast when that body is discovered not to like keep delaying the show but it's been a year and that body is pretty much a skeleton yeah nick asked me the same question when we watched this together um depends on if the water had covered that area or not sand can be pretty drying and if it was really hot like a lot of things that are buried and are encased in sand have and anaerobic like you know they don't have a lot of oxygen and so like things you know that are in Egypt are very very dry so they get very very I mean mummified that's why it's it's in Egypt right so it's more likely that if it was very very dry on the beach covered in sand that he would have had still like skin and hair because it would have just been dry preserved if it was wet and like the ocean had covered parts of him I assume that parts of him would have been eaten because there would have been like crabs and like things. So in a year and things eating him, there probably would have still been hair and bits of skin, but not mummified. So it would have been squishy, but there would definitely have been skeletal elements. So not necessarily like the super dry, like let's pick this like skull out of the ground. Good thing um, the Romans didn't have like DNA testing. Right. <laughs> Ironically, if like if he had if the body had been closer to the surface, like earlier on, it would have deteriorated much faster. hundred percent. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. I mean, everything would have eaten it. Like yeah. the you know, seagulls, crabs, mm-hmm. like little like things okay. that live in the sand. Raise yourself some scavenger birds. Yes. hundred mm-hmm. percent. Vultures, I mean, I guess they will pick those bones clean so fast. Drawn attention maybe if you have like a bunch of birds, you know, coming down into something. Or um, you could just throw the body in a pile of fire and, you know, just let it become dust. Definitely. <laughs> yes. Excellent. Definitely. Yeah. You know, barbecue. <laughs> barbecue. For someone. <laughs> For seagulls. Exactly. Yeah. Great. <laughs> yeah. I was thinking my, my, my strategy would be a, a boat, some rocks, and some chains. Um, Perfect. Yeah. See, but that will also preserve the body and it will float eventually because of what was the line from Rome? The, the plutonic. Uh, oh, uh, plutonic the ether. ethers. <laughs> aka corpse corpse gas corpse gas (laughs) your turn colin i didn't want to end on me because i i I was going to end with it like for me i'm not totally sold on this show and i i find if it were fun and had jokes 
and was less fixated on making Livia a Republican, I think I would be on board with it. But those <laughs> things kind of make the show a little bit of a like, uh, for me. Fair enough. Are you hoping for better for season two, at least? I hope for, I, I really honestly, I just kind of hope that they just embrace embrace Wicked, right? And just kind of like let Livia, let Livia be bad. And like, that's okay. But yeah, the, yeah. the need, the, there's a need to kind of in like these revisionist narratives with heroes to like make them good and then that creates a need to like make everybody else around them worse yeah. and then make them sure. good retroactively. I mean Augustus and, and Agrippa are out here being like not just murder him like just get him out yeah. of the picture so like you're right Livia needs to embrace that energy mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, I think that like we get why Livia does what she does without the, necessi the necessary because it is about survival for so much of it right mm -hmm. and staying on yeah. top and then even just like the motivation of like Marcellus will kill her children which is yeah yeah. I think plenty of motivation to murder Marcellus. 100%. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There doesn't also have to be this added weight of like, oh, and also I'm going to restore the Republic. Again, because I'm just sitting there back on hand. I'm like, you're going to do the opposite of that. You're going to further entrench us in empire. But, you know. Anyways, Christy, do you want to do the sign off? I don't have anything typed up for it. Yeah. Okay. So, so before we sign off, Christina, is there anything you would like to plug? Or is there um, some places that people can follow you and learn more? Yeah, um, so I'm on many social media. You can find me on Blue Sky as Dr. Christina Hotalin. Um, you can also find me on Twitter as Doc Christina H. And then I also have an Etsy store uh, for chain mail in Chain in the Membrane, if anyone's Hell into yeah. that right. sort of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta thank Jeremy Swiss for that one. Uh, <laughs> and I also, I also have my um my dissertation website embodying uh empire embodying the empire on WordPress. Um you can see all the fun research that I did as a uh, doctoral candidate. My pretty visualizations are all on there. And we'll put the link in the show notes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's all I really have. I mean, I'm just working on two conference papers right now on classical reception in heavy metal. Um, I'm writing a paper on Agrippina the Younger, and I'm writing, an, I'm co-writing another one with Alexandra Sills on Spartacus. Yeah. So oh, fun so stuff fun. coming ahead. Yes. <laughs> Maybe one day I'll get that stuff published. Who knows? <laughs> Excellent. Awesome. Well. Thank you, Christina, for joining us. And listeners, you can find us on most major streaming platforms as well as movieswedig.com. Please like and review and subscribe while you're there. You can follow us on Instagram and threads at moviesweedig and on Blue Sky at moviesweedig.bsky.social. Thank you again for listening. We'll be back to dig again when we excavate season two of Domina. Woo! Bye. Bye, y'all. Bye-bye.